Let's pray. Father, September 2nd. Not that time means anything to you, but uh, for us it does. And uh, another season of change, another change of focus for the fall. So Lord, I pray that we actually change our focus, our picture of who we think you are, which we have been doing for a while. Please continue to reveal your goodness and help us to unlearn the false concepts we have of you and how we've had a mis- well, a skewed vision of you, a skewed perspective of who you really are. Um, thank you for what you're teaching me. I pray this morning uh, you reveal your gentleness and how people have responded to you as we look through some stories in the New Testament today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's see if this works. Oh, it does. Encounter, each encounter inspired immediate change. So we've been talking about encounters with God, and uh, it begins with God's encounter with us. And we launched with the idea of how does God see us? That's really important. That's how we have to begin. And then uh, there are many stories all through Scripture of God's reaction to individuals, and some of them have really surprised us. And then, of course, now we're taking a look at people's responses to their God encounters, and we took a look at David. We talked about Paul and his, his unbelievable, incredible change uh, when he got blinded on the road to Damascus. The woman at the well, that was a, a great inspired uh, topic that uh, Lorinda uh, uh, inspired me with, and I couldn't get it out of my mind. And then last week we talked about uh, keeping the good news simple. And Jesus was the master of keeping it simple. He taught so simply. And uh, how he loved others was simple. And I want you to catch that today. And I want you to look for the responses. How people responded to connecting with Jesus. Now, part of the reason I'm, I'm trying to bring this up is to challenge us to look at our responses. Being at that Iranian Persian baptism two weeks ago, it was humbling because in North America, there's hardly any risk to say, I'm a Christian. Like we just, it's just a thing in some ways. And we, the churchianity I grew up in, it was more about getting converts, creating the list, growing the church, blah, 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 instead of authentic an authentic invitation to a bond with God. And that's what I think evangelism should be. An authentic invitation to bond with your creator, with a Jesus who shines his light through you already. And so what I want to look at is a couple pictures. Zacchaeus is one of my favorites. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, ha ha, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost The story goes like this. Zacchaeus is a tax collector, despised, not liked by anybody. (laughs) Because they're used to taxing, overtaxing, cheating, and manipulating. And uh, very much like government in many places, you know. And so he was not uh, respected. And, And so he wanted to meet this Jesus. He was quite short, so he couldn't get a good view. So he climbs up the sycamore tree because he, he knew Jesus was going to be coming through and good thing Jesus came close by him. So he's in this tree, kind of 
like a kid and wanting just, just to see Jesus. That's all he wanted, to see. Well, Jesus, <laughs> he's walking along, talking, hey, blah, blah, blah. What? Hey, Zacchaeus. Called him by name. I don't know if it was the name tag. I'm not sure. But either way, he calls him down. He blows the socks off Zacchaeus, whose only hope was to see Jesus. Jesus goes beyond our little hope. He wants not only that you see him, he wants you to know him. What is one of the most intimate events a family can do? Yes! I'm into food. I'm in. But the idea, and we have an Italian here, but this Italian person will confirm, that is a celebration that is honored. It's not supposed to be a rushed thing, although in our culture it happens. But eating together is such an important thing a family needs to do. I don't always get it right. I remember a counselor in Barrie that we knew. He worked for a school board, and he met with families that were going through crisis after crisis. And the very first thing, if I, hopefully I'm hearing it right, I remember it right, uh, the very first thing he recommended, he says, you guys need to eat supper together or eat one meal a day together. And they're baffled by that. Amazing what began to happen just from that connection. And here's what Jesus does. I'm coming to your house for dinner. What's on? <laughs> I have no idea. I just only wanted to see you. <laughs> he goes over to his house, which means he wanted to sup. He wanted to connect. He wanted to sit with. And I believe Jesus knew he was going to get in trouble by the religious leaders because he was associating with sinners. Huh. What was Zacchaeus' response? Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> I'm not sure he knew he was God yet, but that's okay. It's, that's pretty much what happened. But here he says, I will give half my wealth. There was an instant heart change. Out of that heart change, that was instant. Mind and actions, immediate change. Sometimes we tell people they need to change their behaviors. The church has been about behavior modification for centuries. When that is not the goal at all. It's the fruit of mind and heart change. We've had it backwards. And that's how we got religion. That's how we got legalism. Because we've had it backwards. There are many gifts given to us. In Scripture, instructions, guidance for our good to have intimacy with who God is and his people. That's one man's response. It was a repentance that was immediately obvious. <laughs> That's one guy. Then we have a father whose son was demon-possessed. He comes up to Jesus. He finds Jesus. Jesus if you can, can you please heal my son? The, 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 my kid's been in, uh, just tormented by this demon and all kinds of, you can read the story yourself. And here's what Jesus says. If you can do anything, do it, is what the man says. Have, have a heart and help us. Jesus said, if? 
There are no ifs among believers. Anything can happen. No sooner were the words of his mouth than the father cried, Then I believe! Help me with my doubts! Wow. The focus of this story is the permission to have doubts and questions. More and more, Western Christianity, you're not allowed to have questions or doubts. You have to be focused on certitude. What are you certain about? Do you know what that does? It focuses you into a box of being right in your eyes. Meeting somebody else is wrong. Oh, that creates us versus them. That's not what Jesus did at all. Jesus was obviously approachable. And this man who's really wanting his son healed, and we all have family members we want healed from all kinds of stuff, from behavior issues, from health issues, you name it, from bad decisions. We wish uh, a better future for them, you name it. We have these wishes for them. But we can't control them. And sometimes our efforts are about, unfortunately, control. I never want to admit it, but it's true. We give our advice hoping to control. Sometimes it's, it's authentic. It, yes, we have good advice, but it stops at advice. When you get pushy, it's about control. And this is where the Holy Spirit has to be given permission to work on people's lives on the journey they are on. And having the doubts on your spiritual journey is allowed in this man. I think is the, this is probably the most beautiful freedom trip of dealing with doubts. I believe there's a level of belief. Whatever that level is, I, I have this assurance. Whatever it is, that little bit, there, that, that there. The rest of it, I'm not sure about. So please help me, God. Help me. Do we send off a vibe as individuals to others that communicates, it's okay to ask you questions. You're not going to get misjudged. Or do we send off a vibe, I have the answers, but if you disagree with me, we're going to have a good argument. It's called growing up, maturing. Jesus welcomed it and performed a miracle. Man, this guy's released from demons. This is a really funky story. So here's a guy. They show up at this place. There's a, uh, a man in a uh, uh, cemetery, and he's getting all, he's a crazy man, okay? We call him, we have names that I won't use, but I, yeah. He was demon-possessed is how they described it, which that's how they understood it, which is fine. Jesus releases that man, and there's an instant change in this man. The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him because they were going to leave now. Jesus was going to leave with his disciples. The man said, I want to come with you. You just gave me freedom. I want to hang out, man. Wouldn't you? I would. And he says, no. Go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. But that's only three sentences. I got delivered from demons. He wouldn't let me come with him, and I was told to come tell you everything that happened. 
You don't see the humor in that? Okay, never mind. So he went all through the town proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. That's a response. When we get a revelation of some good news, what do we do with it? Do we get excited about it? Do we share it with somebody? Do we communicate it wisely? Or do we just, that was nice, I'll put it in a book. Somebody will read it 20 years after I'm dead in the journal. Or does the revelation, the good news that is springing up from within, is it becoming contagious in your way through your personality? How is it affecting you? This man tells everybody. And all he had was his story. And guess what? Nobody can argue. Well, how does that fit under soteriology and, and other theological categories that have to be figured out? You know, how do you explain it under this lens? You know, is that a Calvinistic view? Is it a Trinitarian view? Is it a Wesleyan view? None of that matters. That's his story. I got delivered. We are such a psycho society today in the church world of fighting over doctrine. I, had a, I bumped into a, a pastor, a friend of mine, I, I will not mention his name. Good man, love him. And he kind of shared with me his concerns of where I'm going. We only had two, three minutes. And I went, dude, I can't say a word. I didn't say it to him in my head. I go really fast, right? ADHD. You think through the whole conversation exactly what the response will be and all that stuff. So in my head, dude, there's no way you are possibly ready to hear what I have to say because you're still in the box that has not changed for all these years. So I knew not to continue. But be loving. This is why can't we? Oh, okay. Here's, here's another thought. This morning was nuts. I had a about an hour just walking through and taking notes and all kinds of stuff. But I was thinking, unbelievers, when you meet somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus and you want to share the love and life of Christ with them, however you do it, I'm not talking about making them you know, go through this little booklet, page one, step one, step, not that. I'm talking about how you want to share with them the excitement you have for Jesus. Are you patient with their journey? Do they have to agree with your theology? Do you have to agree with their theology, yes or no? Of course not. Is the theology going to be different as in your belief about God? Yes. And you get along. Right? Man, you can have coffee, shoot pool, go golfing, go fishing, whatever it takes. And the difference of theology matters nothing, right? Then why the heck does the church make it a problem when we have a theological difference between us as believers and we don't treat each other the same way? What is that? Pardon? The system's broken. We have some things to learn here, folks. We need to learn to have better discussions with each other, leaving room for doubt, leaving room for our story. Here's where I am at. And not try to control people's spiritual journey. Uh, The whole pastoral system in the West has been set up to control people's journeys. That's hard. It's one of the toughest things I've had to unlearn. Trying to learn just to love people where they're at. Not trying to fix and correct. And even some really super recent stuff. Lessons on love. Just don't try and fix. You can't. Oh, 
said, I'm a fixer. You made me that way. Yep, but just love. Go tell people what has happened to you, your story. And as I look through this room, I see stories. And you guys have not taken any time to share them with one another. There are so many juicy, amazing stories amongst this group here that will inspire. And I'm not talking bad juicy. I'm talking all kinds of juicy, okay? We're talking life change. And yeah, there's some juicy stuff, but just don't share publicly. Keep it safe. Okay. But you would be inspired by your backgrounds here. We don't know each other. We say we're a church family. But are we? Yes, we are at a level. But there's so much more room to go deeper as a family here. And I don't know how to encourage that yet. Maybe somebody else here will be inspired for that. Your story. The one you are on. Who else? Oh, yeah. This one. This woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't even offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. We're looking at her response. But there's another category of people on the side. The others, there's not just her there. What was their response? I want to hang out with the teacher. I want to keep learning, learn, 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 learn. Just keep learning. More learn, learn, more, more. Bible study, sign up. Yeah. Ooh, church service. I'm in. Learn, learn, learn. Ooh, I get to meet that person. They're going to Starbucks at four. I'm going to meet that person there. Mm-hmm. I'll just walk past casually and pretend. Oh, hi. You know, all that stuff. <laughs> Do you see the intent? The intent is connecting with people, rank, reputation, and she didn't care. She caught the heart of Jesus and served and just did what everybody else wasn't doing. This is her response. This is important for us to evaluate and ask, what's our response like? Have we been more focused on building things for ourselves or authentically getting to know one another for friendship with no ulterior motive? That's what this woman did. It's profound. And Jesus recognized it. Even his own disciples, lady, you could have sold that for a lot of money. This is a treasurer who's been, you know, kind of slipping money in his pocket all along. That Zacchaeus, or not Zacchaeus, um, um, Judas. Hey, you could have given the money to the poor. Like, the mindset. Selfish, selfish, selfish. <laughs> That's a very interesting perspective. It's amazing when we stop and realize the gentle selfishness that we think is good, but really it's honestly selfish, ulterior motive. It's about me, 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 me. When really, she made it clear. It's about him, him, him. Enduring ridicule. Humility. Who else? Oh, this one's good too. Dying thief on the cross. 
Then he said, I beg of you, my Lord Jesus, show me grace and take me with you into your everlasting kingdom. And Jesus responded, I promise you this very day you will enter paradise with me. Jesus did not give him the four spiritual laws. I promise you. (laughs) Oh, you want to be saved? Here's the to-do list. Since you're hanging around, oh, that was good. I wish I came up with that one. (laughs) The man's response, what you need to know is what else is going on. The other thief was kind of ridiculing him. And the only words recorded of the This other man is this. Something happens in him. And by the way, you can't manufacture that belief, that change. That's part of our problem here. We think through the right verses, Bible verses, lines, perfect quotes, posts, videos, sermons. Ooh, that will get them to believe. Not a chance. God did something in that man. He was right beside him and still shining through him. And that was his response. He saw something. He heard something. He observed. He saw the disciples. He saw Mary. He saw all these individuals around the cross. He heard the conversations. He saw the casting of lots. He saw the whole thing. That was his response. This is the Jesus we need to communicate to people. The one who authentically loves you. He doesn't say, oh, when you die, you're going to have great rewards in heaven. He had no time to do any good deeds. His reward was oneness, togetherness with Jesus. And the guy couldn't understand that, but he sure does now. Responses. How do we respond? Pontius Pilate, oh, this was, this was awesome too. You are right, Jesus said. I was born a king, because Pilate asked, are you a king? You are right, Jesus said. I was born a king, and I've come into this world to prove what truth really is. And everyone who loves the truth will receive my words. Pilate looked at Jesus and said, what is truth? As silence filled the room, Pilate went back out to where the Jewish leaders were waiting and said to them, he's not guilty. I couldn't even find one fault with him. This is one of the, to be Pilate, you gotta be pretty clever, conniving, you name it, manipulative, all of that, like, To be a leader in the Roman world, seriously? You don't get there without doing some bad things or being super good at something, sneaky, whatever. And here's a man who's heard from liars galore. He meets Jesus and says, no fault. That was his response to the man he saw. No fault. Now, he didn't say a sinner's prayer right after that. He just said, I see no fault. We don't know the rest of the story. 
but we're starting to see a pattern of how people responded to their actual encounter with Jesus. Jarius' daughter. Just then, a man named Jarius, the leader of the local Jewish congregation, fell before Jesus' feet. Okay, stop there. That's weird. You don't do that. With all the fuss going on about Jesus and the trouble he's creating and the confusion and the, well, it's already a conflict going on. Here's a leader bowing at Jesus' feet. He's demonstrating, I can't help but be desperate to the one, the only one who could possibly help my daughter. He desperately begged him to come and heal his 12-year-old daughter, his only child, because she was at the point of death. (laughs) He went. And he saw the mourners, because apparently she died. He said, what are you talking about, Jesus says. She's asleep. And they mocked him and laughed. Are you, ha, 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 you must be pretty stupid because you don't know what death is, ha, ha, ha. I just hear Jesus thinking, you have no idea what death is. (laughs) He does something powerful. Went into the room. Only mom and dad could be there. I think one or two disciples. That's it. Instantly, her spirit returned to her body. She stood up, and Jesus directed her her stunning, stunned parents to give her something to eat and order them not to tell anyone what had just happened. Right. <laughs> she was sleeping. <laughs> they couldn't shut up. That one line bothered me until I looked into it and realized, oh, that's what's going on. That wasn't the first time Jesus said, shh, don't tell anybody what happened. Don't tell them who did this. And I can't help it. They couldn't shut up. And he had to leave towns because the ruckus got too big. That's why he said, don't tell them. But shouldn't Jesus know they can't help it? (laughs) Like the kind of live girl thing would be pretty obvious. Something happened. Just saying. But the response was, here's the response. When Jesus impacts you so much, you can't help but authentically share of what has just happened. Some of you have had healing experiences. Tiny ones, big ones. Those moments you can talk about and go, this happened. And it was a spiritual event. Only you can tell your story. Nobody else can tell it for you. Because it'll be your passion. You'll be reminded of that event. The moment where either someone touched you and you experienced healing or however it happened, the result where you're healed and you realize it's actually healed. That's your story. Our response should be thanksgiving. Giving thanks. The deaf mute At once the man's ears were opened and he could hear perfectly and his tongue was untied. He began to speak normally. Jesus ordered everyone to keep this miracle a secret. See, there he goes again. But the more he told them not to, the more the news spread. It just went nuts. You cannot contain the good news. If it's true good news, it cannot be restrained. Blind Bartimaeus, Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? 
The man replied, my master, please let me see again. Jesus responded, your faith heals you. Go in peace with your sight restored. All at once, the man's eyes opened and he could see again and he began at once to follow Jesus walking down the road with him. Lucky guy, the other guy couldn't go along, got sent back home. (laughs) The response healed and the man wanted to, had to, was compelled to, drawn to Jesus. Which Jesus are we sharing? Are we emulating, sending out a vibe of the real life of Jesus or some Bible character? The real living Jesus, Bible character, historical person. Only one of these has true life impacting power. Only one. The real Jesus. Careful how you represent Jesus. He's better than this world possibly knows. The stories that have been told about him, that's what's preventing people from believing. Roman officer. This one's powerful. The man comes and says, hey, can you heal my daughter or my kid? He says, I'll go with you and heal him. His son, obviously, there we go. But the Roman officer interjected, Lord, hope, stop. Who am I to have you come into my house? I understand your authority. For I too am a man who walks under authority and have authority over soldiers who serve under me. I can tell one to go and he'll go and another to come and he'll come. I order my servants and they'll do whatever I ask. So I know that all you need to do is stand here and command healing over my son and he'll be instantly healed. I can just see Jesus' jaw go, seriously? Jesus was astonished astonished when he heard this and said to those who were following him, he has greater faith than anyone I have encountered in Israel. And he's not even a Jew. That's faith. That comes from his experience. I want you to see that. That's why I put this story up. He's coming from it from an authoritative background. And it was through the lens of authority he believed. Somebody else comes from a life of pain. And it's through that they believe, the woman with her tears and oil. Like, all of us have different lenses, and we're going to be bumping into people in different places that come from different perspectives, and you're going to connect with somebody that's just right for you to connect with. You don't have to go searching. It will come to you. Relax. Powerful encounter. Cleopas on the road to Amos. Suddenly their eyes were opened. Oh, by the way, <laughs> this is after Jesus' death context matters. They're walking along the road, and here comes Jesus, but they have no clue. He's made sure they can't recognize him, and they're talking, and they're, you know, and he's hanging out with them, telling stories, and he's sharing stuff with them, and finally, they, he kind of half tricks them, makes it look like he's going to head this way. They, hey, come and join us. Oh, no, no, really. It's like, no, really? Okay. You know, he kind of like almost planned it. Goes with it with them. They end up having dinner together. They have no idea they've been with Jesus. Boom. 
suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, boom, disappeared. It's almost like, surprise, boom, gone. (laughs) Come on, Jesus created humor. I'm sure he's laughed and smiled and winked and Holy Spirit watched this one. (laughs) Yeah, I came up with that too. Like, There's so much joy filled in these stories, more than we possibly know. But this is incredible. Look at their response. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as we talked, as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. He's appeared to Peter (laughs) and us. The response, they had to tell somebody. He knew the disciples were discouraged. And they went to encourage. That's Jesus in you. When you see somebody who needs the encouragement, it's not about just you getting your encouragement. You actually get more by giving it. Do you know that? And we have a widow's son raised to life. This is called a um, uh, funeral crasher. You know, like wedding crasher. Jesus crashes a funeral. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Uh, this is her only son. They're, they're taking him to get buried. So if you're going to do a freaky miracle, this is the time. Young man, I say to you, arise and live. And immediately the young man moved. I just... I just wonder, okay, because I do a lot of funerals. I, I'm, sometimes it's open casket. I'm thinking, Lord. <laughs> It'd be really cool. <sighs> It'd be just like that. Because you can imagine, you can imagine what the response would be. I remember a funeral director had told me once that uh, um, in one chapel that the curtains closed and the grieving wife um, was allowed to spend the last moment with him before they closed the casket. And uh, so all the congregations in the congregation sitting, but there's the curtains down, nobody can see. Suddenly, she screams, He's alive! He's alive! He kissed me back! He's alive! What do you think their response was? It wasn't true, but she needed to be calmed down. But the response was cool. <laughs> it made people chuckle afterwards. Hindsight's twenty twenty. then it's funny. But at the moment, here's a widow grieving, wishing so much that her loved one would come back, that a belief that a kiss was being given back was manufactured in the brain tells you something, a response. And here Jesus has compassion on a woman who just lost her son. I wonder where our faith healers are today. Why aren't they hanging out in hospitals if instead of everybody having to go to the church? I'm just, I still have a hard time. I believe in healing more than I did a couple years ago. But if you're going to monopolize it, monetize it, I got a problem. I'm praying for full healing. Yes, physical, but I'm talking healing of your mind. That you restore 
and come to believe a truer and better picture of who the Father is, the one Jesus reveals. That's my prayer. They all scattered in fear, Mark 14. Day after day, I sat with you in the temple courts, teaching the people, yet you didn't arrest me then. But all of this fulfills the prophecies of the scriptures. And at that point, all of his disciples ran away and abandoned him. This is just before the cross. This is the backwards response. Okay, the other way, Jesus is going to be arrested. All those who are loyal to him, I'll never leave you, gone. That was their response. But that's only part of the story. The best part's this. Acts 4. First, the disciples were scattered. Now the disciples cannot shut up. They commanded them to never teach the people or speak again using the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, you, can't, you can judge for yourselves. It is, better, is it better uh, to listen to you or to God? It's impossible for us to stop speaking about all the things we have seen and heard. Everything has come to fruition now. The passion, the truth, the belief they saw, they touched, they heard. Jesus, the man who was killed and rose on the third day, they met him a living person. You cannot argue with their testimony. Just like your testimony cannot be argued with. That's why the book The Shack is so important. Paul wrote that book, Paul Young, as a story to his kids, explaining his painful journey he's been on and how he had come to experience authentic healing. And yet the church confronted him and said, this is heresy, as if they had any right to even use that word on him. And he said, this is my story. You're taking it that way? Really? It's become one of the most profound books expressing a better picture of who God is as a trinity, as one, and intimately wanting you, relationship with you. That's what this is about. I'll never, that title's going to be great as we sing because that's this Jesus that I've been talking about. This concludes our series on encounters with Jesus. I could go on, but I got other stuff I got to get into. It's great stuff. But I'm hoping through this series that you've come to see a better picture, first of all, who, how God sees you, really. How he sees humanity, individuals and how he responded to them and how people responded to Jesus. And we have enough models there that fit so many categories. And I left out so many. Jesus is crazy about you. God is not angry at you. God is love. Is love. Doesn't have it. It's not an app. He is love. And you can trust him. As that begins to permeate your mind and heart, it will begin to permeate your belief systems. And God's going to turn over some tables in there and show you, hey, that's not how I am. That's not who I am. That's what you may have been told. But I'm going to show you a better picture, a more hope-filled perspective. That is my heart and hope for all of you. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for sending Jesus to be the representative to reveal who you truly are. He did a really good job.
Thank you. May your Holy Spirit grow us in our knowledge and understanding of who you really are and guide us in the way you want us to express your life in us. Amen.